0: Hello and welcome to the Syrupcast, a podcast by Mobile Syrup, Canada's largest independent tech website, in which we look back on the week that was in Canadian telecom and tech news. We are recording on April 5th, 2018. This is episode 165, and I am Rose Bahar, news and telecom editor at Mobile Syrup. I am here with reporter Samir Chabra.
1: Hello, Rose.
0: Hello. <laughs> How was your week that was?
1: Uh, it was a very busy week. Um, it was an often infuriating week uh, for reasons that we will get into on oh, this episode.
0: I'm very excited to hear that angst. Um, <laughs> and also on the line, is that's not the correct phrasing for this, but we have our producer. This is really special. We don't usually do this. We have our producer, Robin edgar uh sort of mic'd up and ready to to get into the conversation if and when we uh you know she wants to insert a chirp or insert a comment of some sort (laughs) hello robin hi how's it going yeah i'm here to be the everyday person (laughs) so this is uh this is great this is a history making syrup cast all right today we are taking a look at two things primarily um the first being Mark Zuckerberg's apology call 2018 um, for the Cambridge Analytica scandal, where he revealed some more data and there was some more data revealed about how many Canadians were affected. And interestingly enough, at an unrelated privacy event, was our own Samir Chabra um, getting extremely heated about the fact that the Facebook call was going on at the same time as the other privacy event. But ultimately, getting some interesting information uh, from our own Canada's own privacy commissioner about uh, Facebook and his comments on that situation. So let's dive into that.
1: Let's. And that's actually why I said earlier that it's an often infuriating week. The truth is it actually wasn't the whole week. It was just yesterday between the hours of 2 p.m., I suppose, and let's say 8 p.m., which is when I ultimately filed that story. So... 2 p.m. I'm there at the Global Mail Center in downtown Toronto. I'm ready and excited to learn about uh, the right to be forgotten and what um, Canada's Privacy Commissioner Daniel Terrien has to say about that subject.
0: Okay, wait, hold on for a second. Let's right hold on. to be forgotten.
1: Right to be so. Right to be forgotten. Uh, the right to be forgotten is pretty much the right to de-indexing, the right to delisting. We call it the right to be forgotten because it's a little bit catchier. What does that mean? It means that um most people should have the fundamental human right to reach out to a search engine to the googles the bings the yahoos of the world yes i know i said bing and yahoo but bear with me they're big the and duck, they count duck the, the duck duck <laughs> goes actually yeah so the, like the um uh, help me out here what's the the big uh, chinese one? Oh um baidu 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 or so
0: it could be or baidu could be an alibaba type uh com e-commerce site
1: think ba- Baidu is everything. So either way, either way we're, we're getting a little off uh, off track. So the big search engines, you should have the right to reach out to them and say, excuse Sorry, me. Yes, it
0: is a search.
1: So it is Baidu?
0: Oh, no. Internet related services and products. Yeah, I would say it. Yeah, Baidu. Okay.
1: So you should be as a human beings should be allowed to reach out to them and say, I am Rose Bahar. I am Samir Chabra. I am Robin Edgar. Yes. Oh my goodness, that robot, I don't know your last name. Sorry. Uh, I, I'm this person, and I would very much like it if um, you would prevent people from being able to search for my name if they were to search for my name. Um, as of right now, if you search for Samir Chabra, you'll find some mobile syrup stories, you'll find my Twitter account. You maybe will find my Facebook account. I I mean my my privacy settings are pretty tight on Facebook, but that's huh, that's a little subject for later, uh for, for later in this discussion. Um and you should be allowed to, again, not not have people find you. So the EU already has legislation that governs this. Uh, in, in the EU, the right to be forgotten is a fundamental human right. Um, so if you search for, you know, XYZ and they've been delisted on Google, then you're not going to find them. What you will find, however, um, are the stories about them if you search for a subject pertaining to who they are. So for example, I'll use me. Uh, I am a... Tech reporter. So in the EU, if I have been deindexed, you won't be able to find me by searching for Samir Chabra. But if you search for telecom reporters, you'll find some of my writing. You'll find some of my work. Now again, I haven't been deindexed, but in this hypothetical universe, that's that's the case. That's what Daniel Terrien was there to talk about at yesterday's Privacy Summit. Um, it's what he spoke about with Simon Hoopt from the and Mail, and it's a subject that some um, uh, lawyers had much to share about, and it's a subject that Michael Geist also spoke about. Um, but the reason that this Telecom—sorry, that this Privacy Summit kind of fell apart is because at 4 p.m. Eastern Time— Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg went on a call with any media that had the number to effectively explain that, first of all, um, 87 million people have been uh, embroiled in this Cambridge Analytica privacy breach.
0: Right, and about 600,000 Canadians.
1: And about 600,000 Canadians. So uh, uh, while I was away at this Right to be Forgotten privacy summit, um, the MobileServe team was listening in on the call, uh, transcribing the call, and writing up the story that ultimately went uh, on our website. And I say that this call... So this call was infuriating for a number of reasons. First of all, um, Facebook got the numbers wrong. The numbers were actually more inflated than we thought they were. That's bad, obviously.
0: Well, I mean, Zuckerberg pointed out that they never threw out the 50 million number. That's true. That's what he said. That is true, yes. They were sort of investigating, is what he said, until they finally came to the 87 million number.
1: So if we can say anything, in defense of Facebook, it's true. They weren't the ones who... who announced that 50 million number? That so you know g- you know good for them I guess for for being honest about it. But literally, as soon as we all got the the email, the 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 Twitter alerts, the media alerts, um, the various publication alerts about this Facebook call about the fact that you know Facebook had confirmed X amount of numbers, all the air in the room was sucked out. Um, it was like we, we just we turned to look at each other and we instantly recognized that the conversation that we were going to have now was about Facebook. and that's that's what happened. So there was a 5 pm media scrum with Daniel Terrian. Um There were uh, CP reporters were there. I was there for mobile syrup. Um, there were a few other Canadian publications there. And the first question out of all of our mouths was, what does the OPC have to say about this? And ultimately, the OPC was saying that this is a uh, an investigation that is still ongoing um, and that the OPC is now aware of this number, um, as we all are, and that uh, that's really all that they can confirm at this time.
0: And he was sort of taken off guard by it, right? He was... He was not prepared for those questions. Now,
1: I don't want to say that he was not prepared for those questions because, of course, I think um, I think there's a reasonable expectation that uh, as Privacy Commissioner of Canada, he would receive a question about Facebook. I just don't think that he was expecting... Uh, Necessarily, Facebook to make that announcement during this privacy summit that he was attending, and for all of the questions to then subsequently no longer be about Google or about search engines or about the right to be forgotten, but to be about uh, the Facebook uh, Cambridge Analytica situation. Um, so, it, again, to uh, Mr. Tarion's credit, he answered the questions about as well as anyone in that situation could answer. Um, The subject of aggregate IQ also came up um, in an unrelated, again, unrelated. It's like, it's like this, all of a sudden, privacy is the word on everyone's minds. And we have been heading and careening off of this cliff for about the past 10 years because we've just been freely handing out our information to all of these multinational companies. And all of a sudden, people are hitting the brakes, but we're already in free fall. And people are like, oh, now is the time to talk about it. Well, it's too late. The car's already fallen off the cliff.
0: Okay, well, so that's not dramatic at all. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> no, it's
1: not. No, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to vet my frustrations <laughs> as a privacy reporter. Goodness gracious me.
0: Let's read some of the things that Terri said to the press. He said, the allegation, one of the allegations is that information was used for purposes other than the purpose for which people put it on Facebook, based on liberal or loose consent rules. Part of the issue is whether the consent model that we have in Canada currently gives too much latitude to companies based on long privacy policies to craft a contract whereby they say they have consent to use it for other purposes. So it seems as if he... Would like to push some policy, some new policy. Is that kind of the idea that you were getting? That's him? Th- th- not
1: only is that the idea that I was getting for him. That was actually effectively exactly what he was saying. He was saying that as of right now, there are a lot of very dense privacy policies crafted in an age um, pre-internet, really, and 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 even the modern privacy policy that we have is based on. Uh, privacy policies that were crafted before we were freely giving out our information willy-nilly. So ultimately, what uh, Terrien has advocated for in the past, what he advocated for yesterday, and what a number of people at the summit advocated for, were privacy policies that were more individualistic, that were more catered towards the individual verticals that these companies now function in. Take Google, for example. Google's not a search engine anymore. It is. Of course it is. Um, But... Google is effectively the world's largest advertising space. They are the biggest advertising company in the world. And how do they sell so many ads? Why do they sell so many ads? Well, it's because they're able to compile all of our search information uh, and transform that into little bundles of packets of of lovely advertising goodness that companies can use to target us. Now, we're not going to get into whether or not that's morally right. It's happening right now, um, whether it's morally uh, acceptable or not. It's just... Google should have a privacy policy specifically for AdSense. And it does. To its credit, again, it does, but it's a very dense policy. So if you or I, as reporters, want to read it, we have to download like an 80-page document, we sort of have the time to do that when we're not covering all of the other breaking stories that are happening. But for the person who is just using Google to search for a tapas place uh, on King Street, they're not going to go through a privacy policy just to figure out whether or not their preference for olives or, or uh, I guess, I don't know, hummus is going to result in them getting targeted for ads down the line.
0: And, and so that was one of the things that, fe- that Zuckerberg talked about and that Facebook released yesterday. Because along with the call, they also released a number of different uh, feature implementations, changes to how um, users will see uh, their privacy settings and um, also a, a bulk app removal tool for privacy concerns for users. So there was a number of different things coming up yesterday. Um, and on the call itself, uh, Zuckerberg was very kind of apologetic. Um, I think a lot of people are getting the sense that he, that he's still being arrogant, but on the call he was, he, he was saying, I made a mistake, we made a mistake we didn't realize how to handle this. This is very much a, you know, my business is an unprecedented business and therefore it's very hard to tell when we're going down the wrong road. And of course people asked him, uh, do you think you're still the best person to lead this company? And he said, yes, right away. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. was not taking any of that, uh, crap, but, um, which I'm, I'm not saying whether it's a crap or not. I'm just saying that he was not having it. And, uh, and proceeded to say that they would make changes but that he was confident that they were going to go in the right direction he also said interestingly enough that the whole scandal had not caused a meaningful dent in the number of users of facebook um so i think what's your take on that do you find that interesting do you think that did you think that it made a dent
1: um Uh, to answer your question, I don't think it made a dent. I don't think, I wasn't expecting it to make a dent. Mm. I hoped uh, beyond all hope that it would make a dent, but as uh, we've talked about a little bit um, in the office, and also as, um, as we talked about on, on, on the Syrupcast before, these companies, uh, these tech companies, the, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples, the Microsofts of the world, they've entrenched themselves so deeply within our personal lives, within our social lives, and indeed within our cultural lives, that to say that I'm going to stop using Facebook is sort of tantamount to saying that I'm just going to stop functioning in society. Uh, yes, you can live without a Facebook account, of course you can, but, and you can live a, a meaningful existence, again, I'm not going to get into a morality debate here, or even bring up that subject, I'm just going to say that it's difficult to access certain public portions of the internet without a Facebook account, it's difficult to access certain public portions of the internet without a Google account, um, is you know, it, you can't send email, I guess, that's that's a whole other issue, but like, it, it it's sort of like these companies have accidentally purposely however you want to look at it have have wormed their way into our daily lives and removing ourselves extricating them from our lives is very difficult it's no longer a matter of not being able to connect with friends or family it's no longer a matter of being able to you know find old classmates who uh, you 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 never saw again after you graduated now it's a matter of surfing the internet
0: it's true and in terms of what Zuckerberg said to address the issues, he said there were too many apps and too many folks that had access to other people's content. We needed to take a broader view of our responsibility, not just the legal responsibilities. He also said we're not just building tools, but we need to take full responsibility for how people use those tools and the outcomes. Um, and so initially, I, I suppose they they had sort of considered that well, it's really, you know, up to the user how they control their own privacy. Now they're realizing with this backlash, they've got to somehow make it more usable and more easy for users to actually fully own their own privacy, or, or at least feel that they do. Um, and some of the, the changes that they're making, bulk removal tool to prevent any third-party app from accessing uh, user profiles... Um, Facebook will need to approve all apps that request access to public information. Um, Apps can no longer ask for access to more private profile information like relationship status, religious or political views. Uh, User accounts that have been inactive for over 10 months cannot be accessed by third-party apps at all. Um, Limiting the amount of data that third-party developers can access on its sister app, Instagram... And, uh, and yeah, there are a few others as well, but those are some of the big ones. So do you think those are, uh, enough? Do you think it's
1: enough? The question of whether or not it's enough, um, is a difficult one to answer Mm. because if you had asked me in 2013, um, do you think Facebook is going to be responsible for inadvertently, uh, you know, electing a president? I would have said, hold your horses, that seems a little extreme. Uh, and, and I will also circle back, or rather walk back what I said earlier about us careening off a cliff and us trying to push the brakes right now. We haven't fully careened off. We're heading towards it, but but again, maybe maybe we haven't flown off of it just yet. The thing is, the uh, privacy is one of those constructs, and privacy has always been one of those constructs that is a sort of out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing. You don't really realize how much information you're giving up to the world until after someone who you don't know tells you something about yourself that you weren't expecting them to know. And it's not just Facebook. We feel this way about the government, too. It's the reason why a lot of people are critical of things like the census, things that are necessary for a government to do its job. And, you know, it, it's, it's the same reason why people are hesitant to uh, sign over any personal documents. So I get it. Um, I will say that this is a fantastic first step. I will say that Facebook really looking inward and Mark Zuckerberg also looking inward and thinking about what Facebook is now beyond just being a quote unquote social network, um, beyond just being a quote unquote media company, um, but being a cultural touch point um, is is important and essential. Um, I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about whether or not Zuckerberg is right to continue a CEO of Facebook. I don't right. think I was. I, I don't think I've ever been that person, but. Um, But uh, this is a positive sign. It's a positive sign. Um, Deleting Facebook is an option, of course, but the fact that the company is under such scrutiny right now, that's a good thing. It's always, always a good thing when societies come together and talk about the things, about the fabric, right, that we all weave together. Um, And the conversation that Daniel Terrien was having about the right to be forgotten and the conversations that will continue to happen and continue to take place, at least I hope will continue to happen and take place, are positive signs that people are really, really starting to think about what precisely privacy means to them beyond a glib, if you have nothing to hide, then you don't have to be afraid um, way of looking at it. Because as this Cambridge Analytica situation has shown... Um, even for the people who do have nothing to hide, now they're very scared because they, they've they just put out so much of their personal information.
0: And and just to note, so the right to be forgotten is part of the EU General Data
1: Protection Regulation? Okay, so the GDPR um, has a right to erasure okay. um, uh, enumeration. So the difference between right to be forgotten, which is de-indexing or delisting from search engines, and the right to erasure is that... Um, whereas, of course, right to be forgotten is a matter of de-indexing and not being, and people not being able to search for you on, like, Google or Bing, the right to erasure is sort of like what a lot of social networks have started to do, which is you have the right to erase your existence and your presence from these social networks. So um, it shouldn't be impossible for a 27-year-old today who got a Facebook account in 2008 um, and who was a teenager uh, in 2008, who posted a lot of stuff uh, that, you know, may have been inflammatory, that may have been misinformed, that that you know, is, 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 is tandem out to cyberbullying today. That's actually a very important point to make. People change, um, and the right to erasure effectively says that people change, and we, as a society, have to respect that they have changed. Um, just because, you know, you were posting that you uh, love My Chemical Romance in 2006... That doesn't mean that that should be held against you in 20, uh, 2018. Well,
0: I disagree on that. But, um... <laughs> I, I,
1: I chose something that I think, you know, that uh, comedic that we could all make a joke about, but like, let's say in 2008 and 2009, you were posting some pretty bigoted stuff, but then, you know, you, you, you were re, re, re-educated. Um, you, you it, were introspective and you engaged with those groups that you didn't think you're going to engage with. And you, have accepted that your views were antiquated, right? Uh, if no, you're yes, a better I, person I now, right? Why should your previous life be held against you?
0: Absolutely. I, I, definitely agree with that. And then over in the, uh, conversation yesterday, uh, Zuckerberg did say that Facebook will offer GDPR privacy controls everywhere. Previously it had been quite in question whether it was going to come to North America. So that's also promising. That was a promising development. um, what say you, Robin? Would
2: you delete your Facebook after all this? Um no, probably not. <laughs> I honestly I you know I, I think I went into it pretty eyes wide open. I don't think that I ever went into I I've always been of the belief that if it's free, they're probably getting something else out of it. The um, Tim
0: Cook uh, mantra.
2: Yeah, exactly. So Anything that I sign up for that is free, I automatically assume that they're taking my information and selling it to advertisers. And that is okay with me. It it really doesn't bother me because I look at most advertising pretty cynically anyways and just sort of assume that it's been targeted at me in some way, shape or form based on a search that I created or based on a, a friend that I, you know, friended on Facebook or something in that realm. So, no, I don't I don't think that it would really change the way that I use those apps, but mainly just because I sort of anticipated that was the case anyways.
0: That's fair. And does it make you more nervous that it's not necessarily just advertising campaigns, but also political campaigns, as the Cambridge
2: Analytica thing showed? Yeah, I think... I mean, I'm not really surprised by that either. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen a lot of propaganda campaigns um, having grown up in the U S political campaigns get really heated there and there's, there's a lot of propaganda thrown your way in person to not just online. And um, I don't like for me personally, I I think I can make my own decisions. I don't really get swayed by what I read on Facebook. and, And for the most part, I don't really do a whole lot of Facebook browsing, anyways. Like I, I use it for Messenger to keep in touch with people, and that's about it. Like, I have yet to see a model in which I've been convinced to believe that you know there's a pizza parlor, you know shenanigans going on, or <laughs> you know what, what have you. But I, I, I really like for for me personally, it hasn't really shifted the way that I approach things. But I do see that there are definitely people that have their minds changed by those types of campaigns so it's concerning to me for a a broader scale application but not me personally yeah
0: yeah it is I, i think that's for me too it's concerning on a broader scale for me personally i'm still on the uh the fence about uh getting off of facebook and also just putting more work into getting off the grid in general um which is not something that's advisable for a journalist but hey um, do you think that
2: like of all the things that have come out of this like beyond just you know public recognition of all of this and everything else is that um it's finally getting Zuckerberg before congress which is impressive because uh up until now he's just sent lawyers and and other people to testify for him um and you know i think uh, of all the people that should be held responsible for you know, what happened in this past election and, you know, the the various different privacy concerns that are being voiced, um, you know, he, he definitely should be the one that's there answering those questions. So it'll be interesting right. to see how that goes next week. It
0: will be interesting. And Wired uh, pointed out that he should answer sort of a somewhat philosophical question. They said, how can Facebook ward off tomorrow's crisis if its guiding principle is and always has been connection at all costs? maximizing the flow of data between people and their friends as well as advertisers and apps. And if it radically alters that ethos, the one that allowed it to grow to 2.2 billion users and counting, can it sustain itself? I think those are really juicy questions. Um, Well, yeah, it will be very interesting to see what he says. In the meantime, let's move on to an equally as fascinating debate, which is Sony. Sony. Should it make phones? <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not the question I want to address today. No. Um, we're, yes. we're, we're looking at the said 2 Compact, the Xperia said 2 Compact, a nice, lovely, long name for a deceptively tiny phone and uh, one that our own Samir Chopra reviewed himself and is holding in his hand so
1: i've actually been cradling it as like a security device throughout this entire conversation because it's
0: (laughs) really comfortable to hold
1: it is oh my goodness it really really is
0: um so yeah let i i'm actually very interested by this device because as you were saying earlier um it is something that perhaps does not have a place in the market but that you can't necessarily find fault with which i find is interesting so speak on that if you will
1: Well, Rose, let's run some numbers. What if I told you that for the low, low, well, relatively low in this market anyway, cost of $700 Canadian, you could buy an Android phone running Android 8.0 Oreo. It's got a 5-inch screen, uh, an 18 by 9 aspect ratio, uh, screen resolution of 1080 by 2160 pixels. Uh, It's also got a Snapdragon 845 processor, that's the latest Qualcomm Snapdragon processor for mobile devices, 4 gigs of RAM, as well as 64 gigabytes of internal storage, and of course you can expand the storage because it has a microSD card slot, which, I should mention, uh, isn't a common presence in devices. Now, it doesn't have a headphone jack, but it does have USB-C, it's got fast charging, it's got all the fun stuff. What would you say if I said you can get this phone right now for $700?
0: I'd say I'm really interested, especially because I'm assuming at $700, well, there's probably a, a subsidized version as well that you could get on contract. So I'm I'm intrigued.
1: You're intrigued. Yeah. So you're you're willing to have this conversation. Yes. Well, then what if I told you that in my hands I have the Sony Xperia XZ2 Compact? What do you say to that? <gasps> Gasp. You would Shock. say, yeah, yeah, right. That's the phone. So That's the phone. This is that's the device itself. Five inch screen, 18 by nine aspect ratio, 64 gigs of RAM, yada, yada, yada. Fantastic phone, and what I really enjoy, because I'm a bit of a purist, it's running an almost near-stock version of Android 8.0 Oreo. Settings app is different, Uh, I guess the pull-down notifications are a little different, and the app drawer is a little different, but for the most part, this is a near-stock device. Well, what's the catch? Well, first of all, in Canada, this device is only currently available uh, with the Videotron network. Um and it doesn't seem to be subsidized with any plan, so you you just got to buy it outright,
0: which is low key unheard of, which is a little mark?
1: strange. Yeah, it's a little strange. Uh, I can't, for the life of me, right now, think of a flagship Android device that was released within the past three years that isn't at least subsidized in some way, mm-hmm. uh, and is uh, on a major carrier. Uh, the xz one was available. Um, the Xperia xz one was available with Bell and Freedom. Uh, And it was subsidized. You could get it um, discounted if you get a two-year plan uh, or a 24-month plan with Freedom Mobile. So the question you asked earlier was, should Sony be making smartphones? That's an interesting question. We should keep that question in mind. And the other subject that you brought up was whether or not this phone has a place in the market. Um, I have been saying over and over again that I love this phone, that it's a very comfortable phone, that it's got a great screen lovely speakers it's it's uh, really a perfect phone it's also very comfortable and i like the design
0: oh actually let's take a moment to get some real first time impressions from somebody who's not yet held this phone so let's place it into robin's hands
1: it's it is now moving towards her it is now in her hands (laughs)
2: okay (laughs) Okay, and
0: let's get first initial impressions unboxing impressions (laughs) unboxing impressions
2: well for starters i'm not really an android person but that's okay the uh, power button's on the side. Yes, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> and it has the built-in screen thumb thumbprint recognition too?
1: Uh no, no, that's uh. that's a, a front-firing speaker. The uh, fingerprint sensor's on the back.
2: What's that then?
1: Oh, that's just telling you that there's a fingerprint lock enabled. Android does that.
2: Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. The only thing that like it seems like it's a bit thick. It's it does it, feel it's, thick. It's a thick phone. Thick, <laughs> thick as a brick. It's thick as a brick. Initially we had to
0: um we had to argue uh, we had to debate the title of this review because the initial review title was one thick boy <laughs> spelt in the internet's oh, version of thick with two C's. And, and boy okay. spelled
1: with an I, I should mention. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Uh, and it did feel appropriate. But at the same time, it felt very, very inappropriate. Incredibly inappropriate. So we had to <laughs> change it to deceptively tiny, which is.
2: if Yeah. I mean, explain Thank the you. deceptively tiny. Uh, how can it be? Thick as a brick and deceptively tiny, all in one.
1: So, well, that's a fantastic question, Robin. Uh, first of all, five inches for a flagship device, which is what this is. Uh, there is a larger variant, a five point seven inch variant, just the regular XZ2. Five inches in this market is now tiny. Uh, if you think about what Samsung put out this year with their S9 and their S9 Plus, the S9 has a five point eight inch screen, and the S9 Plus has a six point two inch screen. Like these are those; are, those are behemoths behemoth smartphones. Um, iPhone, the uh, the iPhone X, uh, Apple's current flagship device, I believe has a 5.8-inch screen, so again, pretty big. Uh, the iPhone 8 Plus has a 5.5-inch screen. The uh, regular iPhone 8, 4.7-inch screen. So 5 inches for a screen is pretty small. Yes, there are smaller phones, but it's it's still it's a small screen. And even, even last year's Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL, 5-inch uh, Pixel 2, 6-inch Pixel 2 XL. What's deceptive about it is that it is, of course, thick as a brick, but then, of course, even that thickness is deceiving, because as soon as you hold it in your hand, it's this lovely, lovely device where it it fits perfectly into your palm. It's got a curved back, so it, of course, curves to the palm of your hand. Um, I would say that I've got um, maybe slightly above average hands. Maybe. All right.
0: Stop bragging. <laughs> uh, so, so,
1: so again, when I say that I can, I can do thumb to thumb, thumb to thumb, uh, for the edges. That take it with a grain of salt. But then I say, Rose, what about you? Can you do thumb to thumb, thumb to thumb with the, uh, with it's, the screen?
0: I I can't um reach all the way up to the top. But what I do love about it, as a person with exceedingly small hands, is that I can reach all the way across the screen. So it is quite slim side to side. And I think that's super important. If you're going to make screen size, um, if you're going to try and keep a good screen size, but at the same time make it easily uh, manageable for small-handed people, that's the way that you have to handle it. And so I really like how it feels, how that phone feels.
1: And that's really ultimately what it sort of comes down to. Um, it is a small device, it's a big device, whatever you want to call it, but it's a very comfortable device in a way that is curious because when I uh, when I j- just used uh, Rose's Pixel 2 for, for about maybe 15-20 minutes, I found that even though the Pixel 2 also has a 5-inch screen, it still felt like a significantly bigger device. And the reason, of course, is because the Pixel 2 is a widescreen phone. It's got a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. Um, so it it's... <laughs> It's shorter and it's stubbier, whereas the uh, the Xperia XZ2 Compact is taller and thinner, uh, more statuesque, if you will. <laughs> um,
2: How does it compare to the iPhone 5S?
1: To the iPhone, so it would be. Oh, that's a good question. I actually haven't run that comparison, but I believe this would be bigger than the iPhone 5S and the iPhone SE. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, so it should be taller and, again, uh, fatter, <laughs> wider than the uh, iPhone SE. But in, in much the same way that the iPhone 5, 5S, and SE's uh, manageable 4-inch screen wasn't seen as a radical uh, shift in uh, in screen size because it just made the, the screen <whistles> taller, um, that's sort of what you've got on the XZ2 Compact. Now, why does it not have a place in the market? Well, um, it's a curious phone. For a smaller device, it is is—it's—it is pretty small. It's also pretty thick. Uh, it's got a decent-sized battery in there that gets you about a full day's worth of use, you know, so power users should be fine. But it doesn't run stock Android, so it doesn't really compare with the Pixel 2. Um, it's also got a camera that is good for most people but isn't going to be you know what you're going to use to replicate steven soderbergh's unsane for example you're not going to film a movie with this phone that you're going to submit to sundance or tiff
0: uh, speak for yourself
1: well you know what? I, that's might fair do that. that's fair rose might do that um by the way if you need to need a director of photography for that i am i am there i have no formal cinematography training that's fine we'll figure it out uh, <laughs> i'm excited um and of course then there's the price and the fact that you you buy it outright from videotron in canada
0: yeah, I- exactly. So, I mean, I think as much as, and, it, and this often happens with our Sony reviews, is we find that the device itself can't really be faulted, but its place in the market just doesn't really make sense. And so then that leads us to question, what is Sony doing? What is its what is its plans for the future? How is it going to, to stay in line with what everybody else is doing? And I think. Often when it comes to those questions, we're, we're just not sure what the answer is. But they just keep going like the Energizer bunny.
1: And it's funny because we we always, um, and I, I, this sort of goes back to our conversation about Facebook and Google. You know, we, we look at these corporations and we sort of think of them as our friends and we feel a little worried or sad or, or concerned for them. But, I mean, Sony's mobile division is only one of its many verticals. Sony is not a smartphone manufacturer by any, <laughs> uh, you know, stretch of the imagination. Sony is an entertainment company. And as an entertainment company, it is one of the biggest in the world. They put out movies, TV shows, their music. Oh my goodness, Sony's uh, music uh, vertical is is huge. Uh, video games, uh, they, they have hardware, TVs, Blu-ray players, yes, the PlayStation 4, that's video games, that counts there too. Um, so their smartphone division, I, 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 I can't speak to it, I'm not really sure what's going on there, but if they lose money on their smartphones, the company's gonna be fine, um, in a way that, for example, HTC m- might not be fine, because of course HTC is a smartphone device manufacturer. So when they put out a bad phone one year, then we really have to consider what's going on there. Mm-hmm. But if, and
0: we hear about firings and we hear more downsizing. Yeah, we hear more
1: drama. But of course, Sony just puts out you know three or four devices every year, and you know sometimes they have a good year, sometimes um, they have a confusing year. I think with the XZ2 Compact, it's a bit of a confusing year. And the XZ2, um, from what Igor has said about it, and what Igor has written about it, um, and we haven't reviewed it yet, so take everything I say with a grain of salt, is a great phone, but again, it's another confusing move for Sony, because they redesigned their devices this year. They're 18 by 9 so it's more in line with the tall phones, but their devices aren't bezel-less. They're not nearly bezel-less. There's not even a notch there or anything like that. There's There's a clear top and bottom bezel. They're thin though, which is a nice uh, a nice improvement.
0: Would you say they're not a thick boy?
1: Uh, I would say that the the bezels are not <laughs> thick boys, but I would certainly say that the xz 2 and the xz 2 Compact are thick boys.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and we've yet to hear about whether, um, just by the way, the xz 2 where it will be uh, in terms of carriers in Canada, or whether it will be at a carrier in Canada at all. So that will be uh, something to look out for in the future all right let's wrap up for the week by going through our regular shout outs i will uh i'll kick things off by shouting out to this really great new podcast that i'm listening to it's called viewer experience and well i actually know the guy who hosts it which is kind of cool his name is samir Chopra and it's a wonderful um kind of A combination of tech and movie review and it's and and it's told in a really fantastic way so look out for that first episode it is out now and um, it includes conversation about ready player one and vr and uh so both samir and also our managing editor patrick o'rourke are uh, speaking about the film and he also speaks with uh, members of Flight School. And Flight School Studio. Flight School Studio. And they speak more to VR as well on the VR entertainment side. So it's really a fantastic podcast and I highly recommend it.
1: Uh, well, I'm going to have to follow that up uh, by, with my shout out. Um, I would like to shout out uh, Canada's Privacy Commissioner, Daniel Terrien. Uh, sir, I, I I feel I'm sorry. I know yesterday you were set to talk about the right to be forgotten and you know that particular set of privacy policies, and then Facebook showed up. I cannot imagine that was an easy switch, but you carried yourself with aplomb. So, good good luck in your future endeavors.
0: Good one, D. in his future endeavors. <laughs>
1: well yeah no because now now he's got a deal he's got a deal with the right to be forgotten absolutely and of course the facebook thing is also on his table
0: Mm, it somewhat sounded like he was graduating from high school (laughs) um (laughs) robin so how did you find being on the podcast this week
2: it was great thanks for having me
0: (laughs) you got any shout outs
2: uh yeah i'm gonna shout out my roommate for helping out with hewitt he's the reason that you haven't heard barks in a while so uh she's she's at home hanging out with him
0: Hewitt is the world's cutest dog, for those who don't know. Just a little addendum there. Um, you can find us uh, at mobile syrup.com of course, and uh, on Twitter, at Mobilesyrup on Facebook, and uh, at, on Instagram, where we're fairly um, active, and we often have Instagram stories when we're at events, so check that out. Uh, personally, you can find me at Rose Bahar, uh, at on Twitter, Samir.
1: You can find me uh, just at the regular mobile service website. Uh, you can also find me hosting this brand new podcast, Name viewer experience, on Twitter. You can find me at Samir Chabra 94.
2: And Robin? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Robin Edgar.
0: Awesome. Thanks very much for listening, guys. See you uh, not next week, but the week after. Bye.